because I think a lot of your being a successful board artist especially is just like having the confidence to give your stupid ideas because you like never know what further like awesome ideas could sprout from you giving your stupid idea and you have to be confident in order to like give that idea. Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamoto Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Crystal Babbage. She is a Latinx storyboard artist at Netflix Animation. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, I'm Crystal Babbage. I'm currently working on an unannounced feature at Netflix. I grew up in Miami, Florida. My family's all from Chile and I went to SCAD, but for comic books, not animation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Working on a feature film at Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, super cool. The way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a fun little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. Would you rather attend Death Weapon Meister Academy from Soul Eater or UA from My Hero Academia? The second one, because I haven't seen the first one. <laughs> really? <laughs> you haven't seen Soul Eater? Soul Eater, no! I haven't seen Soul Eater! <laughs> I'm surprised. Sorry. But... <laughs> The second one anyway, because that'd be really fun. Like, even if you're constantly, like, gonna die, it like, <laughs> seems cool. <laughs> what would your uh, superhero power be? What would be your quirk? I don't know. That's really hard. I don't know. I'd want it to be a surprise. Like, I don't want to pick it. Uh, like, that's what's fun about it. They have, like, the hero course, but they also have, like, support course and stuff like that. Do you think you'd be, like, a hero? Do you think you'd be, like, a support hero? Or a business hero? <laughs> <laughs> I think I would probably be a hero. Ah. I, I'd probably give support energy, but then you'd be like, oh, no, they're actually like very powerful or something. Ah, like so like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> would you would you still want to be human like or would you want to have like a skin pigmentation or like animal looking? <laughs> I want to look as normal as possible because I think it's <laughs> funny. <laughs> just like very unassuming round human and then just like. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a ba- secretly a badass like that's always my favorite when i see that combination i love that i feel like that's a joke for like what's his name ojiro they always say like oh he's so plain <laughs> is that the guy with the tail yeah yeah dude I, that's I, what i thought I, I was like that's just a dude in a karate uniform with a tail like that's what does he do i like him but everybody's like like even his text like oh so regular i'm like oh why are you, why are you shitting on him leave him alone <laughs> He seems very regular to be in the, like, top class. <laughs> I don't know. That's just my opinion. I'm waiting for him to do some, like, cool shit. I don't know. Watch. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, it comes with a lot of, like, potential there. The build yeah, up. He's, he's going to grow a second tail. That's what's going to happen. He's just going to grow a second tail. <laughs> is, is he going to be able to, like, helicopter? Yeah. Hell yeah, sleep? exactly. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. I don't know, you saying that kind of reminded me of this illustration on your portfolio with this just giant woman, but like shooting laser, <laughs> like, she's so cool. Anyway. All right, yeah, let's go on to the next one. Which spiky blue haired shirtless anime boy would you rather co-pilot a mech with? Tamina from Gurren Lagann or Gallo from Tom Rare? Oh, Gallo. <gasps> wow, really? what? Whoa, so, so fast. Yeah, so fast. How come? Sorry. I just, I love that stupid bimbo. (laughs) (laughs) 
that Akimbo energy is so good. It's I so strong. It's so strong. So stupid. But what about what about Kamina? Gallo's essentially just a buffer version of Kamina, but like Yeah, that makes him yeah. better. Yeah. Right? He's like buffer and dumber. <laughs> yeah. Just so much more dumb, so much more big. Like But I would love to listen to one of Kamina's believe in me speeches. <laughs> That's because you're a bro, bro. Yeah. Like, just just be silent and big and stupid. <laughs> That's all I need. It's you to be big and dumb and beautiful. But with like a heart of gold. Like it's so beautiful. He's like that. That sign can't stop me because I can't read. Like that's how dumb he is. Like I love it. Yes. Perfect. Fair. Okay. I'll give it to you. Thanks so much for playing in between with us. Hopefully you had some fun playing Crystal. Yes. Okay, good. Uh, yeah. And then if you enjoyed today's in-between questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media. So yeah, as you guys have been noticing, we've been doing this whole thing for Hispanic Heritage Month by lighting these Latinx voices. And we're so happy to have on Crystal again. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, no, we're so, so excited. Again, on Straight Ahead, we love spotlighting like rising voices. And Crystal, someone that's probably been in the industry for a little longer than most, but she's still someone that's doing a lot and rising up. And she's doing such great things. That I have no doubt she's going to be a future like mainstay voice in this industry. And I'm excited to talk to her here today, but also for you guys to learn more about her. How did you get your first start in the animation industry? It took forever. Like when I first moved out to L.A., I kind of was like floundering for a year. Like, you know, applying to a bunch of stuff, nothing really sticking, going to like CTN and things like that and nothing. But then my roommate at the time was a PA mm. at Bix Pix Animation, which is a stop motion studio. Mm. And she mm -hmm. heard that they were like desperately in need of a story artist. So she like was able to like just slide my portfolio <laughs> onto the like, desk <laughs> of the like head of story there. Mm -hmm. And they were just like really desperate. <laughs> It was literally like, can you be here tomorrow morning? Like, I got a call that day and, and it was just like, can you be here tomorrow morning? And will you take a very low amount of money for it? Uh, oh, <laughs> that hurts. Oh. And I was like, yes, because I am also desperate. So let us be desperate together. <laughs> That's how I got my first job. It was just kind of being available, <laughs> and mm -hmm. like being in town and just like drop everything and just be there the next day. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But you were in Savannah before, huh? In Georgia. And you just decided to move out to LA to be available for opportunities or? Kind of. I, <laughs> so I'm originally from Miami. So I actually moved back to Miami for like mm. a year after I graduated. Okay. And just like kind of tried to work on my portfolio and like submitted from there, but nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. And it had made like a weird pact with my friend who's that same roommate. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, whoever gets a job or an internship or whatever first, the other one has to move out too. Mm -hmm. And she got the job first. Mm -hmm. So I literally was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Nothing's happening here. Mm -hmm. And I just bought a one-way ticket to LA. Dude, hell yeah. <laughs> I was like, I have to per yeah. I have to like fulfill my promise and like we did it. Mm. And I'm really glad we did it. Yeah. No, that's great. I think especially like, you know, back then or even like pre-pandemic, you kind of had to be like in the LA area because sometimes some students are willing to relocate you, especially if you're super, super good. But other times they're just like, should we hire this person that's all the way in Miami or this person that's already here in Burbank? And they're about the same skill level. We don't have to allocate time or resources to them to relocate. So let's just hire that person. Yeah. But I think with the pandemic, mm -hmm. more people are willing to hire people out of state, more people willing to work from home, other that kind of stuff. But for you, 
what did you feel like you gained as far as like experience when you're first working? Because the thing you were on was Tumbleleaf, right? Yes. Yeah. How was that experience? Your first industry job working in storyboards? I think what I gained was just like learning how to storyboard. Because <laughs> when you take classes, like it never feels like you learn everything you have to learn. Like they kind of give you like an introduction, but at least SCAD, like my storyboard class there we did everything on paper. Like, mm. even though it was like 2012, we still did it on paper. Like, we didn't do it digitally. So I had to learn how to use Storyboard Pro on the job. I literally mm. got a five-minute tutorial from my head of story. He was just like, here, this is how you open up a panel and this is how you draw on it by. I was like... <laughs> and then gave me a script and they're like get to work and then just learning everything the hard way (laughs) it was just like Uh, oh no you have to hook this up or you have to keep on scale you oh no this is stop motion so you have to storyboard in a different kind of way because it's very much a combination uh, of animation and like live action right Mm -hmm. so like every time you move like change the angle they have to reset a physical camera and physical lights Mm -hmm. right takes a lot of time it's really expensive so you kind of like learn okay i pick two cameras at the beginning of my sequence and i cannot move them mm. or if i move them they have to be for a very good reason mm, they, like, yeah climax to the story or something extremely important for that episode then you're allowed to do some like fancy camera moves especially towards the later seasons they had really fancy robotic arms oh. that you could program like cool like mm. spins and like turns and stuff for to like go with the animation wow but at the beginning it was like nobody there's like no money so they're like do not move the camera if you can help it right (laughs) just zoom in or zoom out what are you doing it's so expensive so Mm -hmm. it's like a lot of learning the hard way (laughs) but i think with that too it probably made you really selective with your shot choices and really try to see like what's the most i can get out of this shot yeah which is probably really helpful like long term as well Mm. yeah like the head of story and the director on that which was bill and Drew were really great at like teaching you how to make the most out of those shots. They always mm. talked about, oh, don't forget to move in a like Z axis. Like you can move toward camera and change a wide shot into a close up. You don't have to do a cut. Mm-hmm. Like you can do it, but if you're really smart about where you place your characters and how you move them within that scene, you can like get all the different shots that you need in the same without moving the camera. Like a master class. For sure. And, like, yeah being smart on a budget you know (laughs) yeah no that makes a lot of sense it's really cool so you actually were originally attending scad and you got a degree in cultural art like you said you didn't study animation you studied comics yeah at what point did you transition from pursuing comics to storyboarding and animation in my very final quarter at scad i took a pitch class it was literally like 10 weeks of you just making whatever you wanted but you Mm. have to then pitch it to a Warner Brothers executive. Oh, wow. So wow. I decided to develop like an animation pitch. I did too. I did an animation pitch and then I did an ad because I was like, I have a little extra time and I'm like an overachiever, right? <laughs> like any immigrant kid, right? Mm-hmm. While I was making this animation pitch and like doing all these characters and like writing and things like that, I was like, this is really fun. I kind of want to stay and do more animation stuff Mm. and transition like from my comic stuff because it's all very related. I think I approached storyboarding in a very like comic way. Mm. It felt like a really like that looks more fun to me because I love the collaboration aspect. Like comics is a very solitary art form. You Mm kind of just like go become a hermit for a year and then come out with a book (laughs) while like animation felt more like oh, I get to like hang out with all these people and we work on a thing together and then 
we make something that even more people will enjoy. That feels more right than what I'm doing now, even though I love what I'm doing now. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even though there are different parts of the comic pipeline, you know, like line art, color, that sort of thing, it's not very collaborative in the way that you're saying mostly the artist or the writer, whoever is doing the pencils kind of dictates everything. And then it's like uh, everything gets approved or not. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. not a whole lot of collaboration going on yeah and if there is it's hard because we did a collaborative comic the hardest part is the consistency of style it's definitely mm. easier on a animation aspect and a story aspect but like comics just because it's page to page and it's like there's a lot of draftsmanship and detail it can be a bit difficult to collaborate on something like that yeah and you just had such an interesting kind of journey and trajectory very early on. Before even going to SCAD, you actually were getting an education, attending the University of Miami for biology and education. At what point where you were like, nah, I want to draw for a living instead? <laughs> <laughs> I had always been drawing like as a kid through middle school. I was like watching Sailor Moon and drawing my own versions mm -hmm. and like drawing comics and like things like that in my sketchbooks well into high school and college even at um mm -hmm. in my biology classes i was like filling my notebooks with <laughs> doodles and characters and stuff like that but i think i really just like became super depressed like at the very end i was mm. doing i had already like basically finished everything i had already done my teaching certifications i was like wow. high school's teaching biology for like all day like i had my own students and stuff wow but I, I could see the difference of like i can do this well but i'm not happy mm. all i'm doing is like what waiting for the time to run out so i can go home and draw when i would look at my mentor teacher because you you're always like as an intern kind of you're paired with like like a veteran teacher mm -hmm. and yeah. she was just like so inspiring in the sense of like how much she like put her all into it and her students and like I didn't feel that same connection mm -hmm. spending the next like 20, 30, 40 years doing the same Right. <laughs> when I'm like, all I want to do is draw like this isn't for me, like kind of just like coming to that realization. Of, I'm only doing this like biology and teaching for my family and not for myself. Mm -hmm. It felt like, all right, maybe I need to like stop, take a break, reevaluate. Right. I took a three year break and... Then I got like an MS diagnosis. So I was oh, like, oh shit, mm -hmm. <laughs> let me go go do the stuff I want to do. Mm. Go to art school and, and things like that. That was kind of like the flip. I think it's great that you were able to acknowledge that though. She was probably dreading clocking out and you were like, let me clock out. Let it, let it be over. <laughs> you were saying how you were doing it mainly for your parents. Growing up and stuff was something that your parents were like bestowing you like, oh, you should become a doctor. You should become a lawyer. <laughs> something just to make a lot of money just because like they want you to be successful in life. And it's not that maybe they weren't supportive of their career, but like maybe they didn't know that was something you're interested in. How was that, that parental support for you when you decide, one, pursuing biology, but two, transitioning into the arts per se? Yeah, my mom and stuff was always like, art is a hobby. Like, I'm really glad you do it. So it keeps you out of trouble. So she would support <laughs> me in the sense of like, she would get me like art supplies when she could afford it and things like that. Mm -hmm. I got a tiny little like tablet at 16. Mm -hmm. like, that's the only thing I wanted kind of mm -hmm. thing. So she was able to like save up and get that for me. Aww. Well, yeah, at 16 is better to ask for a tablet than a car. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's like the kind of kid I was. I was just like, what? Well, all I want to do is draw. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. so I wouldn't ask for anything else. Yeah. So they were supportive in that way. But when it came time to, oh, can I actually pursue it? It was like, absolutely not. You're going to mm. school for like a real, mm. a real job. Like, what are you mm -hmm. doing? <laughs> so when I decided to 
go to SCAD. They did not talk to me. They got super pissed at me. And oh, no. I kind of had to do everything by myself. So it was good, though. Mm. Later on, my mom was just like, you know what? I had to, like, respect your choice because you clearly wanted to do it because you just did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was nothing we could do to stop you. And you just got it done. Mm-hmm. So is your relationship with your family or with your mom better now? Uh, or, is this, or, is it, or is it still uh, <laughs> TBD? It's like, okay, it depends. Like, uh-huh. my dad is cool. Like, he's just like in Jersey being himself. <laughs> <laughs> he's like supportive but clueless, you know, like doesn't mm-hmm. really understand. But he's just like, I'm glad you're happy. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You make doodles. You, 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 <laughs> yeah. you draw. Cool. I don't know how it comes together, but like, you did it. Cool. <laughs> my dad's like that too. He like, he like sent me a job listing for a graphic design thing. I was like, that's not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but okay thanks thanks my mom is like up and down like she's like really proud but kind of doesn't get it at all she's just like yeah you draw so ugly i don't understand no oh my god (laughs) (laughs) your drawings are beautiful but she's like they're not fairies and angels they're just like buff dudes and like laser beams like i don't understand <laughs> did your mom ever put any of your drawings in the fridge or they were like it's not pretty enough to be on the fridge <laughs> only the ones that were like i will draw you a fairy here you go okay. <laughs> if you go to my mom's place now it's covered in like little porcelain figures of angels and fairies and stuff she's like kind of like that's that. adorable <laughs> dude that's like most mexican moms my mom has a couple of those it's kind of understandable what you're saying your monkey's saying like a real job and I don't think she necessarily means real job. I think what she means a traditional job. Because yeah. <laughs> again, because are you first generation here or like? I guess technically I'm second generation because I was born in the U.S. But my family, like my parents, both are from Chile. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So your parents immigrated here, and you were born in the states. Yeah. Oftentimes, immigrant parents move here because they want a better education or a better life for like their kids. So for them, they don't see art as like a stable career. Honestly, it isn't. It's very dramatic. You do kind of go from job to job, but it does make good money. Once you kind of get your footing in, you do kind of yeah. never real stability, but some form of stability. Yeah. Thing is that like oftentimes they just want you to have something sustainable, want something more traditional because they feel their security and traditional. Yes. That could also be the reason why we also don't see a lot of Latinx people in the arts is because oftentimes not all of us are strong enough to just break away from our parents' wishes to pursue something of the arts. Yeah. I think with my parents, I quickly learned, or at least especially with my mom, it's better to just like ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I was always like a really good kid and stuff like that. Like, and I never got into trouble or anything like that. But if I waited for her to let me do things like they would just never get done. Yeah. She likes, like you said, the stability, knowing what's coming and like animation and art is not that like you kind of have to take a lot of leaps of faith and a lot of risky career moves. Mm. Sometimes they pay off, sometimes they don't. But you have to have that faith in your art and in yourself to like just do it. It's kind of good that you had your friend too as like a support network to be like, yeah, all right, I got a job. We'll move out here and like really take that leap. Yeah, I was really also like really thankful to like my boyfriend, like my partner, like mm-hmm. we've been dating since high school. So we're together like, for years. And I asked him, like, I really want to go. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And he like also just like bought a plane ticket with me and moved out. <laughs> and just like because wow. he works in like tech and stuff so he can uh, get a job anywhere. Yeah. 
I have boyfriends like that too. He's like, yeah, I don't have to stay in Miami. Let's just go. He's very always really supportive. He's the only mm. one that when I was like, I want to go to art school, he's like, all right, let's let's do it. I'll, I'll help mm. you. Oh, that's great. Moving forward, you worked on the highly anticipated series, Maya and the Three. Yes. Which is something super cool that I'm super excited to see. You got to work with Jorge Gutierrez. How has that experience been? Because it seems like you guys are really close. So you guys have a good relationship. How did that come about? Jorge's so awesome. <laughs> I love him so much. I, I guess I could tell you how I met him. It was when I was l- working on Lego 2. Mm-hmm. He was kind of working in the same building because he was like, maybe going to do a, another Lego movie kind of thing. Like, Ooh. they were still like kind of talking about it, but he was there like doing concept stuff, I think. And while he was in the building, he would like talk to us. And like, I knew who he was because I was like a huge fan. Mm-hmm. He's super nice. He would talk to all of us and things like that. But I was like, I think doesn't know that i'm latina because my name <laughs> does not seem latina like crystal babbage when you see it on paper yeah does not look mm-hmm. <laughs> so i was like I, all right i can't control like whether he's gonna like me or not like you can't control that yeah but i'm like but i, I think i need to give him this crucial information <laughs> <laughs> in case like just in case so i made sure that for christmas like my sister helped me but I made like a traditional like Chilean dessert to bring in to share with everybody. Oh, wow. But I also made sure to like offer it to Jorge specifically <laughs> and be like, hey, Jorge, do you want a Chilenita? Like do it in Spanish. <laughs> and then he's like, well, well, hold a second. You're a Latina? And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> do you speak Spanish? I'm like, yes, fluently. I grew up like I can't, I'm not allowed to speak English at home. And he's like, Oh shit! Sure. Like, okay, good. At least he knows that about me. That's like one thing that I know doesn't always come across. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not gonna lie, though, when I first met you, I also thought you were you were white. <laughs> but I don't think I look white, which is so weird to me. And growing up in Miami, nobody assumes I'm white. So like, <gasps> really, to LA, I was just like, "What do you mean?" Like, I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. You have a very fair skin complexion, I think. It's only because I don't go outside. <laughs> when I go outside, yeah. I'm very dark. <laughs> I just don't like being outside. <laughs> but no, when I found out that, yeah, you were Chilean, like, Yuki pointed out you to me because Yuki was like, yo, we should get her on the podcast. And I was like, you have the little Chilean flag on your Twitter, I think. Yeah. It was funny because, uh, this is a side note, it's really hard getting guests for our podcast because nobody does that where they're like, my nationality is you know some, something else and we're like we're looking for a BIPOC and there's tons of really cool good people out there and I know you don't want to be known just as like your ethnicity or your race but like for our podcast specifically we're like under a magnifying glass we're like is this person white yeah <laughs> can we have them on our podcast yeah we're trying to find anything just as the slightest mention that you're a person of color where is it like yes. i'm reading their about yous and stuff like oh like i'm so-and-so i like to draw and stuff I was like okay okay but what's your nationality where is that <laughs> i mean i did it on purpose like i put it on there not necessarily for this like to catch the eye of podcasts or no. anything mm-hmm. like that but so the other kids that grow up in immigrant households or are bipoc or whatever can mm-hmm. see somebody that is like them right and that is yeah hopefully mm-hmm. well like is doing it and like they have any questions related to that like that they can always reach out and i will more than happy to answer anything totally that's awesome that you had to point out to Jorge that you were like, <laughs> yeah, <is> that <laughs> <laughs> like i know i 
know that I come off as very white passing for some reason here. So I was like, all right, I need to point that out. <laughs> and it's it's because like when I'm in Miami, I'm surrounded by like Cuban American, like Cubanos, Cuban yeah. people. And mm. they're like the the range is the same. Like it's like super mm. white, blonde, blue eyes, Cubans mm. or Afro Latino Cuban, like yeah. There's mm. like a, the range. So nobody assumes like doesn't matter what you look like. They're like, are you you're probably Latino? Yeah. 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 And I know you can't really talk too much about it because it hasn't been released yet. But how has it been working on a project under Jorge working on Mind the Three? It was a really amazing experience. I definitely came in as one of the people with like the least amount of experience because I literally jumped from Tumbleleaf to Lego 2 and then straight into Maya. Mm -hmm. I didn't have like a ton of experience. Like I've been working for a couple of years, but it was like a pretty big leap. And Jorge was so cool about like taking that risk on me because like everybody else were like big shot like animation people, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All the other story artists had worked on amazing projects and I learned so much from all of them. But Jorge is a great leader in the sense that he always listens to any like concerns you might have on the story. Anytime we were like, hey, you know, we think that maybe this piece of dialogue doesn't fit or feels like what if it was this like he'll listen and like mm -hmm. if it's a good idea he'll be like absolutely let's do it let's make the change mm -hmm, if he has mm -hmm. a reason for it and he'll explain it then he'll be like well i want to do it for this reason and like for this this and this and like it's never just like an arbitrary yes or no it's always like a very mm -hmm. like thoughtful like response and then every time you would turn in a sequence like and you would pitch your your boards mm -hmm. he would just like yell and be like yeah you did it, it was so good you're amazing like, <laughs> like, just, support. Like, just like hype you up and you're like ah, it feels good so then when he gives you all the notes of what like he wants you to change it doesn't feel so bad you're yeah. just like anything anything <laughs> like yeah that's great Oh, that's, that's so sweet. That's wonderful. I got to see him actually. You saw, I got to visit Netflix. He was showing me around and he was like pitching stuff to me. And just hearing that man pitch is like on a whole different level. Like he just brings his energy. The language that he uses when like showcasing his stuff just draws you in. And like, yeah. I'm like, I need to get to that kind of level of like pitching stuff where it's just like, it's super captivating. Like he commands a room. You can see that everything he's making and everything you're helping him make, he believes 100% in it. So much passion. Yeah. There's just like a lot of passion. And it's really infectious. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to me that you started on Tumbleleaf, right? Stop motion animation, went to Lego 2, which is a feature length 3D animation. And now yeah. you're on Maya and the Three. And Maya and the Three is a series, right? Yeah. So that was like a totally different thing going from feature to episodic boards. Was there anything that during that transition period was really different for you? Maybe the speed of how you output, like if it was script driven versus board driven. How did you work with that? It was a... Uh... Kind of a good transition in the sense like Tumbleleaf was already episodic, so we were already working like super fast on that. Mm. So actually, when I went into Lego 2, I was still working that fast and like continued to work that fast because I came in at the very end. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. They were just like, we just need people that, like can draw fast. And I'm like, I got you. Like, that's definitely my superpower. I draw really fast. And so like getting into Maya, they wanted it to feel really cinematic. So like they were actually struggling to find artists that were... Kind of like, I, I've heard from Jorge that he was just like, you're like that younger female board artist that was Latina. 
and the had feature experience like he couldn't find that mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. so he's like when i found you it's like okay now you're like the last puzzle piece i guess <laughs> 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 like because maya is about like a latina girl mm -hmm. he wanted somebody with that experience yeah that could also draw in a very cinematic way Mm -hmm. It felt like a pretty easy, smooth transition from Lego into that. At least I had some 3D feature-y background mm. yeah, before yeah. having to board on Maya. I don't know if I could have done it without that experience. That's really fortunate, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. And then from there, you also got to work with We Are The People yeah. that Jorge also directed and kind of like manned, right? Well, not the whole thing. He did one of the episodes. My apologies. Yeah, he did one of the episodes. That's one of the things you also got to work on and yes. participate in as well. Yeah, he was really cool. He knew that I like love music videos. Like I'm a big music video junkie. Oh, heck like, yeah. <laughs> I just like watch them for fun in my free time. He was like, you want to come work on this music video? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to do that with Goose and Goose is also really super talented. He was like the other. Oh, Gustavo Casino, I think. Yeah. No, he's amazing. Yeah, he. I think he worked on Son of Jaguar. He was one of the board artists. Ah. Yeah, and he also did stuff for Maya, like super good. Yeah. No, he's amazing. That's awesome. The dream working on an yeah. animated music video, like ah. Speaking of amazing, you're also very amazing. You're currently a WIA Women in Animation Storyboard Mentor for their upcoming like mentorship program that they're doing. How did you get involved in that, and what are you hoping to kind of teach and bestow onto your mentees? I've been a member of WIA since I moved out here. Basically, so I've been to a lot of the networking events when they were in person and things like that. Mm -hmm. I was actually a mentee when they first started the whole thing. That's awesome. I was one of the, the first like one-on-one -on -one mentees. My mentor was Maggie <laughs> Kang, mm. which is doing the K-pop <laughs> demon. Oh, oh wow. So oh my Maggie God. was super cool. She was really like awesome and like supportive when I was kind of just starting out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then like i've been always really interested i was a mentee in like a circle and then i did a, my own like mentor like one-on-one -on -one, so I, I had like a little mentee and we, we did it together well it just, they're not little it's just like i just like think of them it's like, my <laughs> children yeah yeah <laughs> I, want to I got you i got you <laughs> so with the circle i kind of hope to provide that support because i purposely in my introduction for my wea circle talked about that immigrant kid background mm -hmm. coming from a maybe less privileged background kind of thing. So I kind of want to mm. just like develop something that's like really supportive and helps like BIPOC artists just gain confidence. Mm. Because I think a lot of your being a successful board artist, especially, is just like having the confidence to give your stupid ideas. Because mm. you like never know what further like awesome ideas could sprout from you giving mm -hmm. your stupid idea right and you have to be confident in order to like give that idea mm -hmm. um, yeah i'm still working on it for myself so i just kind of want to help other people like start that journey <laughs> too i think that's probably like one of the most helpful advice knowing that this is something you're struggling with that you're trying to get better at and trying to tell other people hey this is something i'm still learning and i think it's important to learn that's why i'm like telling you guys about it yeah is that because i think it can help you because i think it's going to be helping me yeah so like that kind of stuff and like we can always also go over the more like technical aspects of storyboarding but i think that's kind of what i want to do it's just creating mm. really nurturing and like community-based let's help each other and grow together totally and that hasn't officially started yet right I, i've been yeah. seeing the open calls but like you haven't actually had a session with the mentees yet no we haven't had a session with them yet like it'll really depend on like what the group wants to do like if they mm -hmm. want to be more technical we can be more technical but if it's like they just want to use it as a like we need to cry about like our situation, like being artists, like that's okay too. 
So probably at the time of release of this episode, it may or may not have happened. But if it did, like, wow, your your people learned so much. That's a great like <laughs> session. <laughs> are you, are so. you trying to like pad the edit right now? Right? I don't. No. <laughs> No, but I'm just saying if, if if by the time this does release and if it did happen, I'm pretty sure it was super great. I'm pretty sure your your mentees got a lot out of it. I hope so. And if it didn't, then they're going to get a lot out of it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's really cool. Is there anything that has particularly helped you sort of break out of your own show? Because as we're speaking to you, you are pretty soft spoken, which is like not a bad thing. <laughs> I'm always curious because I've met like lots of board artists who are soft spoken, great ideas, you know, deliver a very like succinct pitch. You know, yeah. I guess not on the level of like explosive character that Jorge <laughs> might have or something, yeah. but like that's its own strength, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What have you done to help you build up that confidence for yourself? I think it's just practice. Like mm. there's no special way except just doing it a little bit more than you did it before. Mm. If you had met me in college or before high school, like it was even worse. I would just like not say anything. Like mm -hmm. so getting to this level, like and that's why I do these kinds of things. Mm. I'll do like panels and things just force myself to practice and like talk about things mm -hmm. because I'm always thinking about them. Like that's the part where when you're quiet, it's usually you're thinking about all of it, but you just don't always have the confidence to say it so yeah it's just like practicing like i said that confidence speak yourself or whatever like if we're gonna quote bts <laughs> <laughs> oh my god to tack on what you were saying like even though you are fairly self-spoken you're still so succinct and like very well spoken just talking to you i feel like yeah you're getting everything across i've been like having such a fun time talking to you i feel like i'm learning so much <laughs> to keep picking your brain and just learning about your experiences yeah i know my experiences are like all over the place no they're fantastic <laughs> it's great i feel like i've never worked on a show that's the same as the last like it's always different every time i like change so i don't know i guess that's good no, hmm. so, yeah. It, it only helps you grow. It helps you increase at a faster rate, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a comment I've heard a lot from some of my like more veteran coworkers. They're just like, wait, how did you get here? After <laughs> not in like a bad way. They're just like, wait a second. Like you only worked on these three things. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like i'm sorry <laughs> no but it's crazy you only work on those three things but like even those three things it feels like you've done like the way you draw and the way you carry yourself it feels like you've done so much already and yeah. but like when you look back <laughs> at it it maybe does it's, it's not that way but like again because you had those different experiences you had you grew fast and it yeah shows to your other board artists which is crazy or your other coworkers. yeah i think it definitely helped coming into art older since I had mm. already gone to school before and then all that teaching stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I went to SCAD, I kind of went in very like, I'm not messing around here. I'm just here to learn and like get out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like I had never been so focused. I'm finally getting to do what I want to do. So I'm not going to like throw that chance away. Right. I would take all my classes in the morning, even though I'm not a morning person. So I would take <sighs> all the 8 a.m. classes, be done by noon, then go have lunch and then go to the library and not leave the library until it closed. And just like would draw and work on my stuff every day. Dang. <laughs> Did one all-nighter in my old time at SCAD. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Do not recommend it to people to do all-nighters. I could take like a Friday off if I had to, like, because mm. I had been working steadily. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just like learned to be a little bit less procrastinating. I still procrastinate, but like I, I do it a lot less now than I used to. Mm -hmm. And so something else I kind of want to get into, the fact that like, again, we're doing Hispanic characters much, highlighting like, you know, you and other Latinx voices. So being Latinx, being Chilean American, how much does that play a role in your identity as an artist? I think it plays like kind of a, a complicated role. 
because it feels like, especially being Chilean, anywhere that I've moved to that has like a high Latinx population, it's never the same as where I come from. Because mm-hmm. in Miami, mm-hmm. it was mostly Cuban, Puerto Rican, more like island like culture. So I know a lot mm-hmm. about their culture, but I also know a lot about mine. And then when mm-hmm. I moved here to LA, it's like mostly like Mexican with like some central Salvadorians. Yeah, like, yeah Salvadorian. Mm-hmm. So it always feels like I, I'm I'm in on the joke. Like I can understand the jokes, I can understand the language, but I'm not like part of like the community. Uh, right. Like interesting. Being like, oh, you you just look white, so you're not like, because it's just like, I don't look like the right kind of Latina, I guess. Right. So it's a little complicated, but I don't take it personally. I take it more of like, okay, so then I just have to tell people like, no, this is where I'm from and like what I know and like I speak the language. Like I will advocate mm-hmm. for people that need a presence of somebody that I guess that blends in to the whiteness, but yeah. I'm more than happy to advocate for other people that mm. are more brown. <laughs> Yeah. Again, it's, it's such a shame too, because again, well, like Jorge too, like he didn't immediately identify that you were, you know, Latina. Same thing with me. What I mean, I didn't immediately identify you as Latina, but like once I found out, I got so excited because again, there was an instinct. Okay, this is somebody I can connect to. This is somebody yeah. that mm-hmm. just culturally, even though like you're Chilean, I'm Mexican. Like the fact that like cool, this is somebody that can know someone my upbringing, know someone's of like the the background. Yeah. And like it's the same thing with my wife. She has like more almond like eye, so she like she looks fairly Asian passing. So oftentimes people don't think she's Mexican, but when she starts speaking spanish they're like wait what i thought you were <laughs> korean or I thought you were filipino i was like no i speak fluent spanish it's mm-hmm. just like if you look at certain way people just assume your specific identity which is honestly not fair but it's a thing that we kind of have to work with yeah, it happens so it's just yeah once people know or like once like again once i knew like you're chilean it's just like more relatable more like cool i want to get to know this person more <laughs> yeah and mm-hmm. like i think like coming from that background like because of like that relationship i had with like art versus my parents and stuff like i feel Mm -hmm. like that makes me a lot more empathetic to other artists like especially bipoc artists that have to deal Mm -hmm. with a lot of that i mean any student can always ask but especially like bipoc students like Mm -hmm. ask me like hey would you do a portfolio review i'm like yeah absolutely let's set up a zoom call and we'll do it in person like no not in person you know yeah quote unquote and I'll give them like two, three hours, whatever they need to like go through it and mm. talk about wow, it. Wow, that's generous. That's really nice. Yeah. Because it's just like, I understand, like, it's really hard to do this by yourself. And like, yeah. especially when you have your whole family, like, being like, no, you can't be an artist. So mm-hmm. I understand yeah. that pain. So I, I make mm-hmm. myself available when, when I can. Yeah, I was totally. actually very fortunate enough where my parents were pretty supportive of me pursuing like an art degree. But I still face that initial struggle where it's like my whole upbringing. They knew I like to draw. Sadly, they never really did anything to like enforce that passion. They never bought me sketchbooks. They never bought me pencils or whatever, but they knew I like to draw. I drew in college rule notebooks for a long time. I never had a proper sketchbook until college. Mm-hmm. It was just all college rule line paper is what I was sketching. My mom, especially like, do you want to grow up to be president? You want to be a politician? Do you want to be like a lawyer? Do you want to be like uh, <laughs> you be a president? Uh, but my point is like my mom like wanted me to do these high end roles or like, you know, these like doctor, lawyer, whatever. And mm-hmm. like so when I was like realized that I didn't decide that I wanted to do art until my final year of college. Like that's when I decided to do pursue animation. And so I thought when I was going to tell my parents that that was going to be like uh, an uphill battle or like that we were going to clash. But ultimately they realize that this is what's going to make me happy. And ultimately, they just want success for me. The reason they came to this country is because they wanted me to have an education that they didn't have and to have opportunities that weren't allowed to them when they were in Mexico. It ended up being my choice. Mm. There was choices that they didn't have. Not that there's anything wrong with working at a warehouse or doing a warehouse job. It's just they don't want that to be my only option. If that's what I chose to do, they would have been happy. 
I'm just happy that they were willing to let me pursue something like that. Yeah. But not everybody is as lucky. I think my parents saw it as they're like, make the most out of the opportunities we're giving you. And if this is what you think you want to do, then we'll be supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to give that to other like incoming like artists and things when I can. Yeah. Like, I think that's really important. Totally. I absolutely love that. And I, w- I want to do like the same. Because again, there's not a lot of us out there. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so great that you got to be on a production with Jorge. Because for me, that's like a dream. Not like with Jorge specifically, but also just I would love to be on a team that has a Latinx like story supervisor and just seeing someone that I can like look up to and learn from. And I love the team I am now. Like my supervising director is super amazing. Like he's such like a good mentor figure. And my team is great. It's just always different when you're always the only hispanic person in the room and i feel like that has been my current yeah (laughs) that has been my trajectory so far whether it was an internship or a working job i'm always like the only like latinx person the only mexican in the room and so i hope that one day it's not that i hope one day i see one or two other people that look like me that way i don't have to be the only one (laughs) (laughs) i can definitely say like it was a really super cool experience of a not being the only latinx person but then also working like on a Latinx story with like a big like crew that is like super diverse because mm-hmm. like you didn't have to explain the concept. You didn't mm-hmm. have to explain like the culture. Everybody was just like on the same page. Like everybody understood. Like mm-hmm. I can't really go into detail, obviously, because it of course story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, but <laughs> there were definitely like a lot of moments where like other people were just like, wait, we don't understand. And then everybody brown in the room is like, oh, yeah, this is to- like, of course, <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> Like you, didn't, like, you didn't have to explain it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, somebody, like, white or somebody that's, like, not mm-hmm. from a production would come in and be like, what? And we're like, no, but you don't understand. Like, like, <laughs> like come on. <laughs> and it's not that, like, white people don't understand. It's just, like, we're coming from a different background. Like, yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. like, a different lived experience. No, yeah, no, you're you're very much right. But I'm glad that, like, you're very fortunate enough where your experience is something like that, that, like, again, not a lot of, yeah. like, Latinx people get to not a lot of like black individuals get to enjoy either yeah. it's like mm-hmm. and it's it's also a thing where like because Casa Grande is cool my industry is cool but also like I eventually do want to work on a production where it doesn't have to be a Mexican thing but I still want to see a good amount of Latinx people there it doesn't always have to be specifically yeah. a Latinx project for there to be Latinx people involved you know yeah what kind of changes do you want to see in the anime industry and like what kind of aspirations do you kind of have for yourself in this animation industry I think what you said is kind of where I want to see things like I want to see things go to like that next level of just having very diverse characters and then not having necessarily the story revolve around the fact that they are diverse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because like that's something that I love about shows like Los Espookies. It's just like a, a show about a bunch of like Latinx goths, like Mexican goths, like doing like, <laughs> what? like Okay, like, I need to watch this. I need to watch incredible. this. It's like I love it. And it's super weird and they like do all sorts of stuff that has nothing to do with being Mexican or Latinx or whatever. It has mm-hmm. to do with just their love of horror and like <laughs> prosthetics and stuff. It's so good. <laughs> so that's what I want to see. Like the next evolution mm-hmm. of that, of like mm. these cool stories with like a diverse cast that is just like weird and fun and just cool. Mm-hmm. For me, like, I guess like I've been working on a lot of like original like ideas. Like I- I've always created a bunch of original characters and stories in my spare time mm-hmm. since like middle school. Mm-hmm. But now it's just like, all right, it's time. Maybe you should go pitch them. Like I've- I-, I should probably do that. <laughs> That's probably where I'm like, maybe I-, I should practice talking more and being more open. And 
actually willing to tell people about my ideas. You should. And especially with that connection you have with Jorge, like he's somebody that can definitely help you like build a pitch or like bestow some helpful advice. Yeah, I just don't want to come to him with something like half-baked. He's super busy. No, of course. So yeah. like I always mm-hmm. really respect his time when... Mm. I have mm-hmm. anything to say. <laughs> so you definitely want to make like a pitch for a show or a movie or something like that and not like return to comics or anything? No, I don't think so. Like mm. comics are really fun and I, I like love doing them, but it's just something about the building a team and getting mm. to talk to them that I really love about animation. Mm-hmm. And the art form is beautiful. Like I was always obsessed, even as a kid and a teen, like I would go and watch every animated film that would come out. Yes. Um, I'm like, why did I not realize this? Like, I just because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I just knew I didn't really want to be an animator. Like that didn't really interest me, but I wasn't aware of all the other jobs involved. Right. And maybe I would have found this sooner, but I'm glad that things worked out the way they did because I feel mm. like it made my career as succinct as the way I talk, I guess. Mm. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> I definitely have been also more interested in like doing more leadership position stuff. So mm. I'm really thankful to my current crew. Like I actually had like a really amazing one-on-one meeting with my producer where she was just like, I think you're kind of getting to the point where you could be ready to like start to do like more head of story stuff or like mm. things like that. So she's like, so if cool. you have any questions, let us support you. We want to make sure that when you leave this film that you're like ready to take like that next step, get better in what you're doing now and just like go for it. Yes. <laughs> like, mm. I feel so supportive. It's so That's amazing. And I want to see that for you. I yeah. want to see you succeed. I want to see you just emerge as this amazing voice of the future for our industry <laughs> yeah that's oh, so awesome thanks. that they they reached out to you i mean they wouldn't have said that if they didn't really believe it yeah like i've been really really lucky that i've worked with so many super supportive and amazing artists like i feel like every time i go into a new production i just like level up by 100 just because of how <laughs> like great they are and like how supportive they are and mm-hmm. really yeah. thankful Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug? I guess definitely watch Maya in the Three when it comes out. It's yes. going it's gonna so exciting. make you so happy and break your heart. And <laughs> I hope you curse us to the end and but also love us forever. And then there's like a couple other things I, I also worked on that I'm excited to see. Like I helped like a, like a tiny, tiny bit only for like a, a half a second on my dad, the bounty hunter. So definitely oh. go support Everett and Patrick. Like they're amazing. I worked on Pantheon at Titmouse, which was oh, like yeah. a new like animated drama that's going to like adult drama. So that'll mm-hmm. probably be out. That's cool. I don't know when. <laughs> and then, yeah, when this film comes out and I can tell you the name of it, please support it. But for now, you don't know what it is and I can't tell you. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. You can probably just search Crystal Babbage. You'll find me. I, go, I like to use the handle Pixie Punch because I have really tiny hands and I think it's funny. <laughs> I was wondering why that was the name of your website. Now we know. I just think it's kind of hilarious. No, I love it. So I absolutely love it. Even before I knew the backstory of the name, I thought it was a cool thing. Yeah, so I don't know. I just kind of used it and then it stuck and then I just leave it. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Because even if you search Crystal Babbage, you'll find all of them because I feel like I'm the only Crystal Babbage on <laughs> the internet. 
it's a good branding, I guess, at least. Mm -hmm. As we come to a close, what final advice would you give to those who want to pursue a career in animation? I think you just kind of have to really like not see yourself doing anything else. Like it kind of has to be like nothing else makes you happy because it is like a lot of hard work and you kind of have to be pretty committed. Not to say like you have to like kill yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I really think you have to be really mindful of your work-life balance, practicing in like smarter ways. So you're not like hurting yourself, sleep, eat, all that stuff that will make you just like be able to draw for longer, like, you know, stretch out your shoulders and <laughs> your back, all that, all the like normal self, <laughs> self-love advice. But then also that you don't have to be perfect. My sister and I always say like, perfect is the enemy of good because perfect feels like it never gets finished. Mm. Don't be perfect. Mm-hmm. Just finish things and then show them to people <laughs> and then tell people what you want to do. Because like, I think that's like the thing that a lot of people are like, oh, nobody notices me. Nobody's like saying anything about my work or whatever. I'm like, well, are you posting it? Are you asking people? Are you like telling them that you want them to give you feedback? Because sometimes like that's what's stopping them. They just don't think you want the feedback. They just don't know what you want. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very like vocal about, Mm -hmm. you got to manifest, right? You got to tell, you got to tell people. Manifest. Put it out there and then people will know that that's what you want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also expand your interests. Like don't watch all the same animated shows that everybody else is watching because it's like then everybody's (laughs) gonna make the same stuff like go watch some other things or go i take music lessons on the weekends because i'm really bad at it but it gives me a different (laughs) perspective on storytelling and yeah go play some games i don't know go have go explore different creative things go to a museum (laughs) yeah go watch some wrestling go watch some wrestling (laughs) That's perfect advice. Thank you so much for joining us, Crystal. If you enjoyed our interview today, please follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us also on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. And if you have any suggestions for future guests, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our editor, Edgar Arellano. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.